We've been looking at Psalm 127, verses 1 to 2. And in the previous reflection, we examined the phrase, the Lord builds the house. And we saw how the Lord is in the process of building his church. And it's important that we understand that the building of the church belongs to him. We have a tremendous privilege of being able to work with him, but the building of his church belongs to him. Now, notice as we look at Psalm 127, the very first word, that word, unless. The word unless is important for two reasons. And the first is that it indicates that if the Lord does not build the house, there will be consequences. There's a cost to pay if the Lord doesn't build the house. The second reason why this word unless is important is, is more what we want to look at today. And the second reason is this, that it implies that it is, that it is possible for the house to be built, but God not build it. It's quite possible, in fact, for us to run ahead of God and build our great and luxurious house, but God have nothing to do with it. There are large ministries that God is not in. There are many profitable businesses that God is not part of. There are many churches where God stands outside waiting to come in. And so the word unless warns us of the consequences if God does not build a church. But it also warns us that we can build our own house and God not be in it. In this reflection, then, I want to take just a moment to look at the next phrase in Psalm 127 and verse 1. That phrase is this, those who build it, those who build it. As we look at Psalm 127 and verse 1, there are two phrases that seem to contradict one another. And the first is, the Lord builds, and the second is, those who build. And the presence of these two phrases can be confusing. So we ask the question, who is it that builds the house? Well, the answer is quite simple. Both the Lord and myself, we join hands with him in the process of expanding his kingdom. He chooses to use us for his purpose and the accomplishment of his purpose on this earth. Now, there's something quite wonderful about that. I am an instrument in the hands of God for the expansion of his kingdom. And he sends me out in his name and under his authority. But there's something we need to understand here. There is for each and every one of us, as we step out in God's name, the temptation to go in his name, but to take matters into our own hands. It's quite possible for us to confuse our own agenda with God's and our strength and wisdom with his. And so we catch a vision and we run with it in our own strength and wisdom. And in the process, we leave God behind in our enthusiasm to build our house. 
It's possible to assume we know what God wants and run with it, but only after years come to the understanding that this was our idea and not his. We can be distracted by our pride and our desire for recognition and and, and lose our focus and everything becomes about us. We find ourselves building our house to be noticed and it's no longer about God or about what he wants, but it's about our own ideas. And we become so focused on what we can do in the flesh that we no longer see our need of God or seek his purpose for our house. There are many temptations for those who build. Now, it's important that we understand something here. We can accomplish many great things in the flesh and by human wisdom. Genesis 11 is a classic example of this. After the flood in Noah's day, the Lord told his people to spread out and fill the earth and repopulate it. But instead of obeying the Lord, however, the descendants of Noah settled in the region of Shinar and and determined to build a great city with a large tower that reached up into the heavens. And they did this to make a name for themselves. Now listen to what God says as he watched them build that city and tower in disobedience to his command. This is what the Lord said in Genesis 11 and verse 6. And the Lord said, Behold, they are one people, and they have all one language, and this is only the beginning of what they will do, and nothing that they propose to do will now be impossible for them. Notice the phrase, this is only the beginning of what they will do, and nothing that they propose to do will be impossible for them. God knew what man was capable of doing, and this tower that reached up into heaven was only the beginning of what they could do. And there would be many more great feats and inventions and technologies and advances. The word of the Lord here, as he looks down upon the people in Shinar, as they build their their city and tower for their own glory, is a prophetic word that looks forward to in, in time. And consider what we have achieved even in our own day, in human wisdom and strength. Consider the multi-billion dollar businesses built in human strength and wisdom. Consider the great medical advances. Consider the inventions that we've witnessed over the years. Technology has always amazed me. We send pictures through the air to someone's computer or phone. Our phone's Speak to us and tell us how to get from point A to point B. Our watches turn on our lights and pay our bills. We're we're developing technology in our cars that will drive us from one place to another without us having to do so ourselves. We have vacuum cleaners and lawnmowers that will vacuum our houses and mow our lawns while we sit in a chair drinking our lemonade. And as the Lord said in Genesis 11, this is only the beginning of what they will do. Nothing they propose to do will now be impossible for them. Understand something here. 
Many of these great advances are being accomplished by men and women who do not know the Lord, nor do they seek Him or even desire Him. And admittedly, they still owe everything to Him, this, their life and breath, but they do not seek Him, nor do they seek His purpose in the building of their houses. Now Solomon tells us that unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Now we've seen that we can indeed build our house in human wisdom and strength. But the question we need to ask ourselves is this, what does Solomon mean when he tells us that our labor is in vain if the Lord is not in it? Well, to answer this, Consider a passage from Matthew chapter 7, a familiar passage, Matthew 7, verse 22 and 23. This is what Jesus says here. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Jesus speaks here to individuals who ministered in his name. They prophesied, they cast out demons, they did mighty works and miracles in the name of Jesus. But notice what the Lord says to them. I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Three things the Lord says. The Lord tells these individuals that prophesied, cast out demons, and did miracles in his name. He tells them first, he never knew them. They were not his, nor did they minister in his strength and in his purpose. Second, he tells them to depart, depart from him. All their efforts for his name ended up with the Lord rejecting them. And third, he tells them, the Lord declares them to be workers of lawlessness. Their, their ministry was not from him, but for their own benefit. They did not obey him, nor were they listening to him. They did what they did for themselves. Now, can you imagine standing before the Lord and hearing those words? I didn't ask you to do that. Was it for me that you did that? I saw it as being for yourself. Now, like the Apostle Paul, before he came to know the Lord, many fight with all their might to do what they feel is right, but only to find out that they were not fighting for God, but actually fighting against Him and His purpose. How often have we forged ahead with our plans and built our great house, but now we stand before God and realize that that was not part of his plan for us at all. We ran with all our might, and we left God behind. And now we stand before him and say, and hear him say, Who are you? Do I know you? We realize now that for all of our busyness, we never took the time to get to know God and to know his purpose. And as we stand before God now, the pride of all our achievements for him melt into a big puddle of shame. 
for we didn't walk with him. We built our own houses, but he was not part of it. And our house of wood and hay and straw that we were so proud of and looked forward to showing God when we stood before him now lies burnt up and our life's work is in a pile of ashes before the throne of God. How thankful we ought to be that he receives us and that our salvation is secure, but the fire of his judgment has assessed our works and and has found them wanting. In Exodus 33, we have the account of how the people of God had angered the Lord by their sin. And God determined to send them to the promised land, but he told Moses that his presence would not go with them. Instead, he would send his angel before them to keep them on the way, but he would not personally be with them. Consider the response of Moses to those words in Exodus 33, verses 15 and 16. And he said to him, If your presence will not go with me, do not bring us up from here. For how shall it be known that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people? Is it not in your going with us, so that we are distinct, I and your people, from every other people on the face of the earth? Consider what's happening here. God tells Moses to lead the people of Israel without him. But Moses says, no way, God. Unless you go with me, I'm not leaving this spot. For Moses, it wasn't just about getting the job done. It was also about doing it in the strength and in fellowship with the Lord. He was not interested in building a house without God's presence in it. If God wasn't in the work, then he didn't want it. Do you have that heart? Or would you rush ahead whether God was in it or not? We can achieve many great things in human effort. We can build great businesses, achieve great technological advances, draw crowds, and be tremendously successful in life. The question is not what we can or cannot do in human wisdom and strength, but the question really is about whether what we are doing is going to be in vain. So you've reached the top of the ladder. You've gained the respect and admiration of your co-workers. You've drawn a crowd. You've achieved what no one else has achieved. But have you left God behind? Your life has not been a life of fellowship with God. You have the admiration of the world but you've not been in tune with its creator. You stand before God with all your great worldly achievements and hear him say, was it really for me that you did this? Wasn't all this your idea? Didn't all this just take you away from me? Weren't you so busy building your own house that you left me behind Do you realize how different it could have been had I been in it? 
I've lived long enough to see and to know that God's ways are often very different from mine. And he's taken me down paths I would never have imagined taking. I've seen him open doors I never knew were even there. I've watched him lead me down paths I've never tread before. I've come to see that his ways are very different from mine. And the older I get, the less I trust my wisdom and insight, and the more I become aware of my need of his. And as I consider standing before God on that last day, I don't want to show him all the houses I've built in my own strength. More than anything else, I want to be able to say, Lord, I've been obedient to what you've called me to do. I've experienced you doing what I could never have imagined. I have seen your hand in everything I did. And I know my labor is not in vain because you have been in it.